Will you please rise as you are able, and we receive the gospel lesson this morning. And that lesson comes to us from the gospel according to St. John, the first chapter, beginning at the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. I say to you, as the Apostle Paul said to those he loved, grace to you all in peace from God our Father and the newborn King, Jesus Christ. Amen. I've had the honor and privilege of speaking with you for three consecutive Sundays, so I've been saying one sort of consistent theme going back to that last Sunday of Advent when we were preparing for the coming of Christmas and then being able to stand at this pulpit for three times since. And that, that one theme that I've been emphasizing in different ways is that we ought to find ways to keep Christmas. Now, keeping Christmas is a worthy goal, and the people of the church talk about it every year, people like me. But we have to recognize that as our world has advanced in our lifetimes, even those people who are secular in nature, they, they don't know the graces of the church. Those folks in our society agree with us, those of us who, who share worship as we do this morning, that Christmas, as it's come to be in our time, is far too commercial. In truth, the culture in which we now live is so materialistic that I'm afraid we're going to have a very hard time keeping Christmas the way we truly should. I expect that folks like me are going to have to make the case for Christ being at the center of Christmas and do so every year for the foreseeable future. 
And so that's a little bit of why today, as we celebrate the second Sunday of Christmas, I'd like to come back to that subject in a different way, but come back to that subject one more time. But this time, I would like to talk with you about something slightly different. Same theme, little difference. And this time, I'd like to talk to you about giving Christmas away. Now, now please hear me. I didn't say I want to talk to you about Christmas giving. That's entirely different. I want to talk instead this day about giving Christmas, the very center of Christmas, away. There's a great African-American spiritual, and you may not even know it's an African-American spiritual, but that song, that now hymn, got this completely right, and that's why I chose it for my sermon title today. And we're going to sing that old spiritual at the end of our worship as we get ready to depart from this beautiful place. What you see is a Christmas song, and it's designed not to be sung on Christmas itself, but really after Christmas Day, on days like this. And it's really all about giving Christmas away. Those of you with me can see the words to the refrain, and and I'll share them for those who can't see. And those words are, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Now I'll confess, because that's been around a lot longer than I have, that the original authors of this song had something or someone in mind, but I don't know who that something or that someone or something might be. They could have been talking about the shepherds, because the Bible tells us that when the shepherds left the manger after having visited and worshipped at the foot of the baby Jesus, they made known to them what had been told to them and what they had seen. And all who heard what they had to say were amazed by this, these shepherds' account. Or the writers of this spiritual might have been thinking about the aged woman that I spoke to you about last week, Anna, who was in the temple. She was there when Jesus, as an eight-day-old infant, was brought to be presented to the Lord. And after Anna saw Jesus, she began to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem, words you heard last week. And so Anna, like the shepherds, wanted to tell the message everywhere. She wanted to tell everyone that Jesus Christ is born. Or maybe the authors of these beautiful words were thinking about John the Baptist. John, I think more dramatically than anybody else, tried his best to tell the world. He did it from the wilderness. He did it from the Jordan River. He did it from wherever he found himself. Jesus Christ was born, and he's here, and he's coming. That was his message. Although, I grant you, he didn't begin telling that story until Jesus was about 30 years old. But Christmas is Christmas, and John could not be silenced. And it was just the right time to give the world that message, as John did. And he gave the world that message so very well that we still hear it now. And that's the part of our gospel scripture, beautiful as it is, that I want to discuss with you today. In those 18 verses that I read, there is so very much in that 
that a person like me might preach from that particular gospel lesson for a month or more. And still, we would only scratch the surface of what it has to offer. So I want to talk to you about the person who seems to come into that passage more or less as an intruder. At least, he comes to the reader as a complete surprise. So let's back up a little bit to the first verse. All of us might agree that the opening verses of John's gospel are as poetic and majestic and otherworldly as anything written could ever be. Those words take us back before there was time. They take us back to the very instant of creation. In the beginning are the first words, just as Genesis opens. In the beginning there was the word And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And without Him, not one thing came into being. Those words, those words are just breathtaking. It's the sort of thing that you wish was set to music somehow. Because you just don't feel you can grasp the... the, totality of of these words so maybe it would be easier rather than just to read them or listen to them to bow it or strum it or drum it or in some way set it to music but then having heard those words having encountered the enormity of them suddenly when you're caught up in that eternal cosmic scene john the gospel writer says without even a pause although the modern English wants to put a paragraph break in there, without even a pause in the original, we hear these words. There was a man sent from God, and his name was John. When you jump from one thought to the next, and you do that for the first time, you want to say, well, well, wait a minute, what's this bit about John doing here? What does this fellow, about whom we've heard absolutely nothing until that sentence, nothing, What's he have to do with a light that is so powerful that the darkness will never be able to put it out? What in the name of heaven does this John person have to do with a scene as breathtaking as all of this God-induced creation? And then, the description of John is that simply, he came to bear witness to the light. As I suggested moments ago, these opening verses of John's gospel are are overwhelming in their poetry and their majesty. And in truth, none of us, none of us can be ready to receive these words unless, unless we are ready to confess that Jesus Christ is in fact the pre-existent Son of God. But if... On theological grounds, you find it hard to accept the opening verses because they're too majestic and and too daring for you to take in. It's almost as difficult to accept the words about John the Baptist because these words seem so ordinary, so mundane after what they follow. They seem so out of place after the dramatic setting of creation. And then consider this. If Jesus is indeed the eternal word of God, and he is, and if he is the agent by whom the universe was made, and he is, and if he is the light of the world, then what is the need of a witness? 
Why do we have to witness, have to have a witness to the light? And after all, how exactly does one testify to the light? I mean, light is obvious. It's, it's self-existent. It doesn't need a witness. It is there. Well, that's the earthly side of how John tells this remarkable gospel story. The God part is to send his son into the world and to give us Christmas. And then it's our human responsibility, as it was John's, to go and tell the world about Christ. In other words, our job, our principal reason to be, to live, is to give Christmas away. And if it is a miracle, as it surely is, that God came into the world in the form of Jesus Christ our Lord, the babe of Bethlehem, then it's almost as much of a miracle that God has entrusted the the news of this event to ordinary people, people like you and, and like me. This event itself, this Christmas, is earth-shaking. It's eternity-shaking as well. And we, like John, are called to carry it out to others in very ordinary ways. John the Baptist led the way in introducing Jesus to the world. And John had no illusions about his assignment. After he was preaching for a little while and the crowds were coming out to to hear him and those crowds were in huge numbers, some people began to ask John just who he was. Was he a special prophet, they asked? Or was he even, perhaps, the long-expected Messiah? But John quickly answered that he was nothing more than a voice in the wilderness. He was the one preparing for the coming of the Christ. So John the Baptist was the first to give away Christmas in this account. And then other ordinary people have been doing it ever since. That's what the first apostles were all about. They went everywhere sharing the good news. Of the original apostles, we have to admit, tradition says that all but one of them, John, died a martyr's death. And so giving Christmas away isn't always easy and it's not always safe either but Christmas givers down through the history of of mankind have come in a remarkable remarkable variety some have been among the greatest intellects our world has ever known people like Augustine of Hippo and Thomas Aquinas or Jonathan Edwards who was described as the greatest philosopher ever in American history But God has also used some of the most ordinary people imaginable. And I'm very sure a good many of us will get to heaven because of the witness of of someone. And that someone may have been barely able to read or to write. Maybe not even that. Consider for a moment the people who first gave us this spiritual hymn, Go Tell It on the Mountain, the ones I mentioned earlier. Those folks may have been illiterate plantation workers in the day these words were first put down. They were unsophisticated in the matters of this world. But these people were remarkably sensitive to eternal matters. We are still singing their words today, and we will once again this very day. So 
these original songwriters managed to tell it on the mountain. They managed to give away Christmas as effectively as John the Baptist. If I could, I'd I'd one day add my own verses to this spiritual, and I'm no great songwriter and even worse at singing, so I won't attempt that. But after singing, go tell it on the mountain, I'd want want a verse that expressed the sentiment of, go tell it with my mouth. Because we have to verbalize the news of Christ if more people are to learn of him and have him enter into their hearts. And maybe I'd add another verse after that about, go tell it with my money. Because while some of us can't go to the far corners of the earth with the Christmas message, we can help pay for those who do. And of course, yet another verse, perhaps, go tell it with my deeds of kindness. Because sometimes the Christmas story is told best by a kindly pot of soup or a note of concern or just a smile of patience for somebody who's in pain. If each of us did what, what ought to come naturally to us at, as Christians, we would continuously tell the Christmas story. Day after day, year after year, we would tell it on mountains and hills and everywhere that Jesus Christ is born. And what that means is we would never stop giving Christmas away. It would be our, our sole mission in life. But consider, isn't it strange? How often do we say that Christmas is the season of giving? But at the same time, we forget the most important giving of all. We forget about giving away Christmas itself. We should be seen by others giving away the wonderful, the eternal, the life-changing story of Jesus Christ. And isn't it remarkable that when the fourth gospel tells the Christmas story... It begins with this magnificent, eternal language about the word that was from God and with God from the beginning. And then it quickly shifts to tell us that there was a man, a person sent from God whose name was John. And then it tells us that John's job was to let the the world know God's Christmas story. Thank you, John. Go tell it on the mountain, John. And you too, go tell it on the mountain. And me too, tell it on the mountain and in the hills and the fields and everywhere. Today is the Lord's day. Today is a Christmas day. Therefore, it's time for us to go and do that which God created us to do. Go give Christmas away. Amen.